You are listening to the Signal to Noise podcast on the ProSound Web Podcast Network. Signal to Noise is supported by Audix. Check out their new line of Pro Studio headphones and A131 and A133 large diaphragm studio condenser mics at audixusa.com. Alan and Heath has asked us to read the following statement. Food for thought. The more holes you have in Swiss cheese, the less cheese you have. The more cheese you have, the more holes you have. Therefore, the more cheese you have, the less cheese you have. What a world we live in. Hannah does. Why? Hannah. Hannah. God, no. Do it, Hannah. Oh. I'll do it. Okay. Welcome back to the Signal to Noise podcast. My name is Kyle Churnside. I will be co-hosting the show tonight with familiar (laughs) other people that you guys know of, possibly better than I, uh, Chris Brian Leonard and Joe Mama. I mean, (laughs) Michael Lawrence. Hell yeah. <laughs> We're also joined with Hannah tonight as a special guest. And uh, how's everybody doing? Good. Hanging in there. Doing? Well, you told me to call you K Razzle Dazzle, actually. So I, I was surprised that you did. I was referencing the session. other, the, the last show, too. Kyle number two. That was pretty. Right. That was witty. Yeah. You're you're witty, buddy. I'll, I'll yeah. hand it to you. What are you what are you enjoying as a beverage there? I have a black cherry soda from a local grocery store store called Schnooks. Nice hmm. stuff. Is that a chain? In only in St. Louis region. Oh, I see. It's like a local. Yeah, chain. there's a, right. there's two grocery stores here, and they're both like local. It's Deerberg's and Schnooks, and then we have like Aldi and a couple other things. But like those two are like the Kroger and Safeway of of St. Louis. But like, isn't soda like a big deal in St. Louis? Like like, or I should say, don't most of them call it pop? And like, at least remember, I was I did a gig at a hotel somewhere, and there was like this. Like diner, restaurant place, or whatever, and there was like a selection of pop or soda. Yeah. There was like a hundred different like uh, pop selections there. Uh, yeah. Now you'll have to history check me because I, I mess up the full moon all the time. Um, but and Friday Thirteenth, so I get all those wrong. But I do know that Seven um, Up and Dr Pepper was headquartered here for a while, and I think one of them was like created here during like the World's mm. Fair era thing. Could be completely wrong. Roll with it. Just roll with it. Could be the acid from when I was a kid. I don't this, know. This has been another episode of Maybe True with with K-Razzle-Dazzle. <laughs> uh, Kyle number two, because I'm the shit. Kyle, Kyle, K-Razzle-Dazzle number two, the shit. What's the coolest thing you got within arm's reach tonight? Oh, this is why I wanted to unplug my headphones. So tonight oh, on the um, Within Arm's Length game, I would like to introduce everybody to my daughter, Kemper Ann Churnside. This Kemper. is def- Hi, definitely the best thing that I have within arm's length. For the record, for those who can't see, Kemper is a real life human being and not a green box. <laughs> yes. <laughs> not at all. And, she, and she's definitely way cooler than dad at this point. Yeah, it's not, it's not a stunt double in, in Lycra. To, yeah, bodysuit. Yeah. Not at all. She is actually, this is her last day of first grade tomorrow. She's, uh, she passed all her classes with flying colors. She got D's in all of them. And uh, she will be continuing on to second grade sounds next like, year. Sounds like my grades in school. Yeah. Well done, she Kemper. Thanks, baby. Hannah Goodine, what's the coolest thing you have within arm's reach? I have a turtle collection of little turtle figurines. For the re- a turtle collection, not live turtles. For no, the they're little for little statues. Yeah. yeah, I wish they were real. I, Chris, I like that you you've like elected yourself to tell everyone what's alive and what's not alive <laughs> on this episode. <laughs> Kemper was live, turtles not. Got it. Hey, look, it's like radio. You have to describe what's going on. If people can't so, see, it, all right, you know. So, Hannah, is it? Are there multiple turtles, and you're just showing us one right now? Is there a number of turtles? You said collection. What is that? It's a stack oh, of turtles. Oh, it's turtle like stack. the bobblehead ones that yeah move all around. Yeah, turtle stack. That's good. I got good. I got all the turtles. Okay. Wow. Oh there's yeah. A whole there's bunch. more. All right. Well, I we'll we'll take your word for it. Yeah, we'll take your word for it though, because I feel like I you do. have a lot. I of, love trinkets. Um, I'll take you guys upstairs to the house <laughs> one of these days. Handle you love it. It's great. 
Uh, Chris Leonard, what's the coolest thing you got with an arm's reach? So, uh, thanks to a shout out to Brandon um, Conley, who we, we we met up recently. Um, maybe more details in the future as to why. But we'll, we'll we'll save yeah. that for now. Um, I, he 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 brought me two local um, IPAs from 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 his area, which you can't see them, but I'll post pictures. Actually, they went in Discord tonight. They're very metal looking ones. Uh, one's mm. called "The Death of Civil- Civilization: A Slow um, Motion Two, and then the other one is uh, um, "Misanthropic uh, Apathy." So, Kyle, which one should I open up to drink, <laughs> dude? Misanthropic yeah. <laughs> That is amazing. It is pretty wild artwork for right? a beverage. It's like, it's a, that's a carcass impressive. song, I think. All right, so I have a little bit of backstory here. I've been using in my office a, 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 as a desk. I've been using a plastic folding table forever. And I finally was like, this sucks. And Chris Tinger told me, he was like, hey, dude, I just ordered a desk. And he sent me the link. And I was like, that's a pretty nice desk. So I ordered it as well. I finally have a desk, which means now I have to have a coaster on my desk so I don't ruin it. With my beverages, um, this is a coaster that my mom got me, and I have a set of them of misheard lyrics. This one says, "I've got two chickens to paralyze." So that yeah. is my coaster. <laughs> Our guest this episode is Jess Berg. She's a live sound engineer and touring production manager. Uh, we got cooked up she she showed up to some of our uh rational training stuff and she's a member of the audio engineering society pacific northwest chapter and i uh was just working with them doing some presentation stuff and she moderated and uh we're gonna talk to her about all kinds of stuff first of all jess welcome to the show thank you glad to be here thanks for having me what's the coolest thing you have in arm's reach oh gosh uh uh i'm gonna say i've got some um Earth Warrior Oracle cards. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I got, I got my smudge stick. I got a box full. Nice. Of, yeah, man. I got my smudging feather. Beautiful. We're talking after the show. You're pulling my oracle. <laughs> Sounds good. Last so, last night was the lunar eclipse, blood moon, and flower moon. I feel mm-hmm. like that almost wants to be its own podcast, Kyle. I'm not gonna lie. I think you might have something there. Ooh. Let's do a spinoff. I would love to. That would um, be amazing. Essential oils and Kyle. So. Jess, I haven't told you this, but I'm going to tell you in front of all the listeners now. Uh, one thing I really enjoy about talking with you is that you're so um, just clearly enthusiastic about audio all the time. It just you can't hide <laughs> how excited you get about it, and you're always like happy to show up and talk, and it's awesome and it's contagious, and I love the passion that you bring to it. So um, I thought we'd have a lot of fun talking to you. Um, well, thank you. And I think. I definitely want to talk about the Dr. John gig because I think that's just really cool. But I know Chris has some more important stuff to talk about first uh, in terms of kitchens and chandeliers and diners and stuff. Oh, I was going to say it to the end. But yeah, that's all good. Um, yeah, man. No. S- <coughs> Damn it. Um, <laughs> dying wow. over here. Uh, yeah, and also, yeah, I mean, fair warning if I run off screen or a mic or whatever, it's because my baby's pretty much doing it a day now. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, Chris, is, Chris is like nine and a half months pregnant right now. <laughs> No, Minneapolis is a pretty cool town, uh, and which is where you're from. And uh, mm-hmm. I, we, I did a pretty big gig there in 2018. Um, and there was a cool, I call it a dive bar, but I, it's actually a chain, uh, Hell's, Hell's Kitchen. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was showing a picture of like the chandelier. It's got all these like knives hanging. So the, but the, the coolest thing about the bar, at least that we found, um, you, 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 we, sometimes when corporate shows, you live in these cities for like two weeks, three weeks at a time. So you got to find these places to go. Um, and the bartender got, got to know us or whatever. We found out there's a, a, a fridge at the bar called the Mystery Fridge or the Mystery Beer Fridge. And it was like dollar beer. You know, and he pulls in, reaches out, and grabs it, and it's like old school stuff, like Schlitz or like um, a Black <laughs> Label from uh, from Canada and stuff. And it's like this old, like shitty, you know, beer, but it's like Russian roulette of beer. And so that kind of became like our thing of like the the mystery beer fridge for the for the week. So nice, yeah, I love that place. Did you check out the stage at all, or hear any music when you were there? Um, I I might have been a little at Hell's Kitchen. I might have been a little more inebriated. I don't remember. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, no, yeah, I think there was some some bands playing every every now and then, but yeah. Well, so because I ran sound there a few times, and the console was behind a curtain behind the band on stage. So very uh, a very acoustic treated sound booth, right? Very very Prince. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, had to wait in between songs to make adjustments, unless it was bad, but. 
usually, you know, with the jazz players there, uh, you could kind of set it and, you know, get it in the first few songs. So Yeah, I, I don't know if we were in there on the weekend. I think we kind of like weeknights, so there might not have been as much entertainment. But, yeah, it was definitely the vibe of the place was pretty cool. The food was amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's definitely a awesome spot if anybody ever is traveling through. Check it out. I've had some awesome times in Minneapolis as well. I'd, I'd like the, what is it, the Bi-City Bi area? Yeah. Oh, the Twin Cities? Twin City. Cities, that's it. That Twin. <laughs> yeah. You guys have that minor league team, I forgot. <laughs> I mean, speaking of yeah. speaking of Bi, I was there for Pride Parade, though. So And it was, it was awesome. It was my first Pride Parade I got to go to. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's a big celebration. And you guys know what they say about uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul's, like a mullet? Ah, party yeah. in the front? No. Yeah, St. Paul has all the business in the front. Minneapolis has the party in the back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Kyle's going to be whipping that one out later, yeah. I'm sure. that We're going to hear that one again. That's a good one. I'm definitely going to rehash some things in my head while you guys are talking. <laughs> um, so one of my favorite Minneapolisans, is that even a thing, is Rick Ocasek. Mm. Sorry, just putting it out there. I love the cars, like... They were great. Okay, uh, that's cool. I I think we all support you on that, Kyle. Mm. Um, <laughs> Jess, you you have like a lot of different and varied things on your resume. Like, not only have you done a lot of stuff, you've done a lot of different stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, I want to know what's the story of Jess. How did you get to you know kind of how did you find your way into this? But also, like, is are you one of those people who's always like, eh, let me try a little bit? Are you kind of like poking around? You haven't really found something you love yet, or you love all of it, or kind of how's that laid out for you? Yeah, so I started out as a musician, as many of us do, right? Except and... Chris, everyone <laughs> except Chris. This is true, oh, me either. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I, I've was always singing and, you know, taking solos in choir back in like elementary school and doing school musicals. And um, in eighth grade, teamed up for a social action project and wrote this horribly depressing song about divorce (laughs) with one of my now best friends in the world. And she had dreamt up the lyrics to the first part of the verse. And, And we went from there and she was starting to learn uh, acoustic guitar and so she started teaching me we came up with this song we recorded it I was taking voice lessons at the time that was my first time in a recording studio it was like at my voice teacher's basement you know and we we did it and it was just oh you know it it it's so sad but it <laughs> had the impact you know that it needed yeah. and um and we actually had some outside person I don't know how they heard of us like inquire about working with us but um our parents weren't like really in a position to like move forward with anything so we just went on our way well then in high school I could get cigarettes and my then boyfriend's buddy was like a guitar virtuoso so I trade him packs of cigarettes for guitar lessons and started playing in bands and then you know one of older friend in the group hung out with even older people who had a really cool studio set up in Uptown, like in the Kenwood neighborhood of Minneapolis. So then I was hanging out in this really awesome recording studio and I was always on the other side of things and I just kept going, you know, writing songs, playing. I ended up getting a fake ID and going to college early (laughs) and doing... I moved Cake up to Duluth. For the record, yeah. we have supported all the decisions so far. Yes. You are awesome. on the right path. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, even before all of this, too, coming up, um, in Minnesota, it's a big thing to, like, go up to the cabin. People go up north. You know, there's all these lakes, and it's a big deal to go hang out on them on the weekends. And I had a family cabin, and uh, my mom's cousin played bass in a bar band up at the cabin you know at the bar there and so I would be eight years old singing and playing tambourine with this band until bar closed you know and it was like the thing to do it was just all the kids were out this you know family style ice fishing but I could hang yeah yeah so snowmobile in the winter boat in the summer and you betcha I just yeah you betcha (laughs) and uh so (laughs) sorry (laughs) 
Chris, it's all Chris right. Is it not, slips Chris out. is being naughty tonight. From the guy, so, uh, just tonight? From the guy tonight? in Philly. <laughs> He's being extra naughty. <laughs> well, so... Uh, Sorry. After... No, it's okay. I, you know, after... Uh, I ended up in Duluth going to college with a fake ID. This was my senior year of high school instead of going to regular high school. I was already on my own. And Wait, hold on. I, I ended up... Can we, can we stop for one second? Yeah. So, <laughs> you you actually like got into school because of the fake ID like you the, like that no <laughs> that okay was all right all right all right Sorry. yeah yeah no so so I didn't know you were such a rebel this is I'm fine I'm seeing a whole new side of you this is wild well I I just never really got in trouble you know I knew how to party you, what smart. you mean is you never got Same. caught Same. I I was the one who hosted the parties because yes. my my mom was cool. She, you know, you played and wanted to make band. sure I was safe. <laughs> we, knew, yeah. we knew you were the coolest. So, yeah, so I always had the parties, and I had, you know, that's where my hosting abilities really started coming into play. I think that's how I became a tour manager, because mm. I used to host parties in high school. And people had a good time, you know, and I made sure everybody was safe, and there wasn't a bunch of drama, and, you know, best you can in high school. But you, I you should. Uh, we need you to stay on the show then, because we get <laughs> too much drama and excitement around here. Damn it. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well, so to try to not make this story too long, in uh, the second half of senior year of high school, I ended up moving back down to the cities. There's all sorts of stories interwoven here, but I was singing at a Christmas party, at a work party, and the guy who was running the karaoke machine was like, I can get you on the radio. A buddy of mine does Minnesota Homegrown show up in St. Cloud. It's like a 12-minute segment. And I was like, what? Okay, cool. You know, and ended up, I had no idea what they were going to ask me. Um, Just like the but show. I, yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. I just, that prepared me for this moment right now. That's why I have to mention this, because I thought about that. And... Um, I ended up singing three songs and the, the guy interviewed me and you could, I ended up re- being able to record the show and it's on my MySpace and yes. <laughs> yeah. And, Wait, uh, you still have a MySpace? Yeah. It should be still Chris, can we there. link to that in the, in the I don't know. Episode I'll find it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Don't it's probably volume. Don't <laughs> reverb nation. I'll, I'll write yeah. on your wall. Awesome. That, that was like a thing you did back then. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, yeah. So uh, from there, I mentioned how I wanted to maybe go to school to learn more about production, but I wasn't sure if I was ready yet. And that kind of, I think, set me up for my future because I ended up, I was in bands. I was running around at hippie festivals with long dreadlocks and my guitar and, yeah. you know, doing all that fun stuff. And then I... <sighs> got to a point I realized, um, well, how, you know, how personal do you get on this show? Very. Okay. So I ended up getting engaged to my first love and, and I was living out in Colorado. Well, I was living out in Colorado at the time, um, working at my dad's restaurant and, uh, my dad had moved out there and got remarried when I was, um, like 14. And, I would go out there during the summertime and I would also learn how to play the blues and like jammed out for Neil yeah. Diamond randomly. Um, he would come into my dad's restaurant. He was actually, Neil Diamond was the first person to pay me to play. He threw a 20 in my guitar case when I was like 16. Did he like yell and, sweet Caroline? Like was he trying to get you to play like his songs? Yeah, or? did he heckle you? Yeah. No, <laughs> not even. He was so sweet. He is such a sweet dude. I want to hang out with that guy. I he he looks like he can party too. Tell some stories. Oh gosh. Just he's just always seemed to have a heart of gold, you know, one of those folks and and uh and so long story semi long. Um the uh, I, we were only engaged for maybe three months and realized we weren't meant to be. And I decided to go back to Minnesota. And the first day I woke up back in Minneapolis, I saw this commercial for this new school in town, the Institute of Production and Recording, to go learn how to engineer and produce. And I was like, I'm going to 
go there and figure out how to record my own album. So I took the tour and I just threw myself into it. It was a brand new school. I started in their second quarter ever back in um, October of 2002 and originally went for the year-long production program and totally fell in love with the behind the scenes stuff. And the school ended up evolving and, and started a, a two-year, you know, um, audio or applied science degree in audio production and engineering. So I went for that, ended up getting, you know, Pro Tools certified back in 6.0 for both music and posts at the 210 level. Wow. And yeah, and I just, you know, I, I loved what I was able to do. And this was at a time where the bigger studios were starting to kind of close down. And I was lucky enough to get in and working at a couple of them but most of my opportunities actually started coming in live sound. And so um, being a musician, I kind of naturally gravitated that way anyways, even though I love what we're able to do in the studio and in a more controlled environment. I just, there was something about the adrenaline rush of the live experience that I was just kind of already tuned in with, I guess. So, um also, probably not having to listen to the same 30-second chorus for seven hours straight. You know, <laughs> and, for oh, me. That, that was sound like, replaces listen. snare for a week. Yeah. <laughs> Kick. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. A- so that's AKA, how I got into it. AKA learned a lot. Shortcuts. <laughs> so yeah. Jess is now hired for my next project because she knows every shortcut in Pro Tools ever. <laughs> there you go. Yep. So how, how do you end up being tour manager for Dr. John. Like, where does that come from? How do you pick that one out out of the resume, dude? I was going to talk about the Brick Squad Monopoly. Oh, What's up with I that? I mean, here's the thing. You've heard of all... I'm sure you've heard of all of those artists, and I haven't because I'm hopelessly out of touch. Um, <laughs> but, but Dr. John's a freaking legend, man. You yeah, know, that's, just, that's so he cool. Is. So, okay. So, I think both, Jess. First, Dr. John, and then we'll get to all Kyle's fanboy Walk a fucking flame. We have to go there, too. Just Walk a, see? That's there it. All right. Brick Squad. <laughs> So, so both gangsters in their own rights, right? Yeah. You know, seriously. Yeah. Um, Hippie gangsters of sorts, if you would. Um, Well, so Dr. John, that was some cosmic stuff. Actually, um, so uh, earlier on in my career, I was a house engineer at the Dakota Jazz Club in Minneapolis for about 10 years. And... I grew up listening to Dr. John. I mean, that was just part of part of the record collection that my dad had that I had to, you know, get to a certain age to be allowed to to actually <laughs> touch them. <laughs> and um, so uh, he came through the Dakota when Hurricane Katrina hit. He was doing a couple solo shows, uh, a couple nights in a row, and I mean, I was working as staff then and he was writing songs and singing them and just like bleeding all over the stage each night and we shared some moments you know on the side in between stuff when he was like out for a cigarette and things like that and just you know kind of you know he I mean he was just grieving so hard and we were all going through it together and um so I, you know, just grew grew a love for him then, just and and quite what an honor to be able to have, you know, shared that time and space. So then uh, later on, when I moved to LA to get out on the road, uh, one of my first gigs um, that got me on the road, I was hired by this woman who had been co-managing a baby band, but she was a A-level tour manager and. Uh, would get hired to be a tour director for different tours. And she was kind of, um, one of her specialties was like fixing tours that needed help, you know, and kind of getting in there. She's from Boston. So I always think of her as like a bulldog, you know, she'd just get in there, be Boston. And um, she got hired uh, to be tour director with Dr. John. And I had already worked uh, with her with a couple of different clients. And so we knew we worked really well together. And so she said, hey, I'm looking to send somebody out with 
Dr. John, you want to go? And I was like, are you serious? Like, <laughs> do you know what happened to me years ago, like at my hometown jazz club? So it, to me, it felt pretty cosmic, the fact that I got to go out with him. And again, just quite an honor, like huge. Um, and I did a few runs with him. It, it was definitely, you know, one of those tours that had its challenges for sure. Uh, we took things really slow. He's total sweetheart, you know, and, and very health conscious. Um, but there were a few times where there were certainly some health scares. You know, he, he was a guy who just wanted to stay out on the road no matter what. And like, that's how he wanted to go, you know, mm. if he could. And, um, <laughs> so, uh, I, I didn't run sound for him then. We had more other crew with us, but one of my jobs was I was a mic ninja and I stood in Monitor World during right the show. Right next to RF Wrangler. <laughs> yeah. Macaw, we got to use that more often he than loves, Mike Ninja. He, <laughs> yeah, he loves job. Kyle is obsessed with people who have Wrangler in their job title. He thinks that's yes. the best. Yes. But nin- ninja's pretty cool. I like that. That's a new term. <laughs> well, so, and here's why. Because he would be uh, at the piano most of the time. And he wouldn't move too much. He, he was pretty set. And... Just for a couple songs, he would switch over like 90 degrees to his Nord and sing there. And then on like one song, maybe two, but usually just one, he would actually stand up and play guitar and sing. And then whenever he came back to the piano, he would be off mic. And he wouldn't move himself to be back on the mic. And so I would have to crouch down behind the piano and like pop up at the right time and get him back on his microphone (laughs) and he would just keep going you know um but uh and then you have to say throw the ninja smoke bomb and disappear (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. Yeah. you gotta add that to your resume mike ninja you didn't have it on there so yeah you need an update yeah yeah and uh one of my favorite memories from that tour uh we were in liverpool we were doing a uk run and this was kind of earlier on and his musical director was also the trombone player and she had been inquiring we'd been you know getting to know each other and and you know being a musician I don't consider like I was never close to getting signed or anything like that so I usually just kind of keep that in my back pocket when I'm dealing with clients like I'm not trying to you know it's just not cool right yeah yeah Right. So but um, in casual conversation, sometimes if I feel it's appropriate, it may be helpful to let my clients or musicians know, like I have that as part of my background. So I'm a little more empathetic or like understanding Mm -hmm. a bit more where they're coming from, like to help, you know, kind of I'm I'm I would consider myself more on the intuitive side of being an engineer. Right. Than super techie. Um, Mm -hmm. so that, you know, it kind of naturally came out like, yeah, you know, I'm singing stuff. So out of the blue in Liverpool, she called me up to sing backup on Let the Good Times Roll. And I'm like, what? You know, because I'm in Monitor World waiting to be Mike Ninja. And this is when Mac was up, you know, this is one of the songs he played guitar on. And, uh, and, and I got up there. I was like, all right, you know. And I just remember I started singing the backup and he looks over at me and he's like, yeah, I was like, right on. Ah, All right, I'm good. Like, I'm done. You know, life is complete. Everything is just cake and gravy from here on out. So that was pretty cool. And it got recorded because we would record the um, board shows every night. So anyway, that just on a personal note, like, again, kind of full circle, but it, it was interesting you bring them up i actually had a crazy i don't know about you guys but i have been having crazy dreams lately like the past couple weeks and um i actually had a dream about mac like as if he was still alive and we were texting and i text him a heart like that was the last thing and i knew we were cool like whatever was going on so yeah what a cool experience man i can't it's so and i know all right so i, I know both Kyle and Chris are just sitting on some, some questions here. So let it, let it go, boys. Kyle, you've been you've been well behaved. <laughs> okay. Waka, flocka, flame. 
One, yes. <laughs> crazy because the way the dude came on the scene like was insane because the whole trap style music was all kind of new at the beginning and he was definitely one of the innovators like i i i love rap music i love hip-hop i love a lot of things but waka stood out to me because of the things that he did in his music that were like i don't know uh i know you toured with him in 2015 one of the questions that we totally skipped over is the transition from doing sound to tour managing you know, just tour mm-hmm. managing. But the other thing is, is uh, he, in 2015, when you were touring with him, is that the part where he was faking to run to be the president? <laughs> um, th- I think that was, that was maybe, gosh. No, uh, I, I, Hard hitting questions. Yeah, sorry, yeah, sorry, yeah. 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 no, it's questions. okay. I, I was trying to remember because I was like, no, I remember when he was interviewing for Blunt Rollers, and I was collecting resumes on the road for that. Um, <laughs> How do you? Okay, never mind. We'll come back to that. <laughs> I don't remember. I do remember he was doing the president thing, but it wasn't. So was this like a Craigslist ad or like how did that I don't ad think, go I don't out? think we like, need to really how, dig into that too much. Oh, right, LinkedIn, yeah, right, LinkedIn, right, it was super professional. Yeah. They were like, we need someone with <laughs> Willie Nelson's guys' capabilities but blunt raps instead of papers. That's probably what they did. I mean, Willie Nelson has a guy too. Yeah, they gotta, got guys. They got to yeah. roll stuff. I know that wasn't the whole question that you had though kyle i mean i'm sure that- no it, it, it's just he was he was a, like an innovator i think mm-hmm. and um i think a lot of rappers get they 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 have like a different entrepreneurial vision of being an artist than some of the rock and roll guys and some of the pop acts and stuff like that like it, how did how was it dealing with him period like he's a businessman Absolutely. Yeah. No, actually, uh, we got along great. Um, he was actually pretty cool to work with. Um, uh, and then we'll talk about control as a tour manager. You got to be on the bus at a certain time, like the party stops now. That's something that's really interesting to me because, you know, at some level you're like, I, I can't really tell everybody else what to do because I'm not their boss. But at the same time, like you really have to kind of keep things rolling. And it, you know, that's your responsibility to make sure that, that people are where they're supposed to be at a certain time. And, and, and I would imagine that it's sort of like when I'm mixing monitors and I might approach the conversation differently depending on the artist. Like, do you approach that interaction differently depending on who you're trying to communicate with and, and how you basically manage people? yeah well so that's kind of twofold what you guys are asking right but so this goes back to this uh woman who hired me she was also brought in to be tour director with waka's management team and said hey i need to put someone on the road so i was actually going i was working with her she was tour directing waka and dr john at the same time and so i was going between the two tours during that time, like depending on when they would go out. And so, um, we were like changing the face of hip hop. Waka was awesome to work with. Like we were on time. We advanced our stuff. Our, you know, we would roll in sometimes pretty deep with crew and stuff, but everybody was super respectful. Like, you know, there were only, um, like a couple, times like at a college town when I really had to just give the keys to security and be like I'll be back at the hotel you got it from here you know like I can't I gotta drive in the morning you know and, but that we were really good about that you know and it was like it was it was um walk on his DJ and a photographer usually and then we'd have two to three security and then me you know like in a sprinter van a That's lot of bad. the time yeah and and you know, when we shut the door to that, we'd turn on some reggae or something, like, and just kind of chill. We'd all decompress normal after show stuff, you know, and sure, there was blunt smoking and all of that, but like, you know, they handled it. It wasn't anything, you know, crazy or 
I mean, after show stuff would happen, but that's also when security would take over and I would just hand over the keys. Um, if you can hear my dog too in the background, she's just uh, like, it's, it's all good. okay. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, and, and sometimes they would go for like the brown bag deal, walk through at the strip club after, and I would be back at the hotel. That's when my job ended. And it was, it was like unspoken boundaries there. And it was, it just worked out because they knew I was handling the business up front. Right. And right. Tan- just making Call sure. your hometown. Exactly. Minneapolis. Yeah. Hello. So. <laughs> he did it before me. That a, yeah. That's like a, that was really good because that was like a callback. Like it's the same episode. That's that's. that's, that's uh, yeah. So I'm cur- I'm curious about um you know we've talked to a fair amount of people who have done um uh, audio and and tour manage or mix it both at the same time or transitioned you know and there's a different level of um you know we 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 get into this business because of like a passion or a fulfillment of doing something um and so i'm curious um do you get the same fulfillment out of doing both is it different was there a time where you realized i'm more fulfilled by doing this or i want to pursue this or was it pure hey i gotta pay the bills i'm a tour manager on this one like what, what was that like decision like in that in that space well tour management happened organically actually so uh i moved to los angeles in 2013 to get out on the road as an audio person I'd done mostly front of house, which I love, but I can do monitors too if I have to, <laughs> you know. Friends um, don't let friends mix monitors. <laughs> Easy. Uh, <laughs> but uh, when I got out there, um, I'll save that part of the story, but my first gig was front of house slash TM. Mm. And the woman that hired me, was co-managing this baby band called Quadrant. And uh, do you guys want to hear the whole story? I, I'd love to know what your dog's up to right now. I feel like that should okay. be part of this too. <laughs> oh, she's, yeah, she's looking at me like, can I please go outside and run around? But I don't know if the cat's out there. And because my landlady Michael doesn't has like cat. cats, so it's okay. Yeah, so she's just got to kind of hang out. Hopefully she'll chill out again, but. Um, yeah, she's a rescue. I rescued a dog in November, so Aww. now, hey. yeah, I know she's the best. For, for, for those who don't know, so we have, so we have a Discord, and for those who are in there, we lit different channels, and one of which is just pets. And so, literally every day, Michael sends a picture of, of his dog, and or people throughout the week post pictures of their pets. So we're, we're, we're pet, pet, pet friendly podcast. Yeah, Damn. Sam Zuckerman's awesome. got a lot of creatures in his house that he's always posting pictures of my dog is actually uh, asleep on the floor in my office right now so he's Aww. partaking in this as well um chris what was the you had an artist you want to ask about too uh no walk a flock of flame was where oh, i was gonna go i mean i just i mean i mean yeah i uh it, the difference of i mean you know doing something like that like i find it fun when um i mean i was very fortunate to get to do you know a, Again, everything from Josh Groban to Bow Wow to Tears for Fears, like it was like you know the Chris story with right? Bow Wow, yeah, right? <laughs> I, Michael's still a fan awesome, of this anyway. It's an awesome um, no, it's just the, the diverse. And it's really um, you know it's it's fun to uh, and I, or maybe I can ask you this too. Like I found myself like you uh, were you mixing for Waka or was that just tour managing? I forget what you just, just said. tour managing. Okay, all right. Yeah. So it's a little bit different. But, like, you know, just having to be able to, like, regardless of whether you would listen to the music on a daily basis, having to be able to kind of be in the moment and enjoy it. But I'm still curious to more dig back what we before we all got interrupted with, uh, with the, the pet stuff on, um, <laughs> the, like, the, the satisfaction and or, you know, drive um, from continuing of work between tour managing and, and, and mixing. Yeah. So uh, I found out on that first touring gig in L.A., the slash gig that I actually really enjoyed running the show, <laughs> you know, because I'd been running live sound and hosting tours through my regular Minneapolis right. venues type stuff and done like regional stuff with bands around there. Um, it was, it was nice to finally kind of 
be the person able to set things up on the other side and having that bigger picture and, you know, helping to create just a really cool experience for everybody involved. Mm -hmm. I think that's part of my restaurant industry background. You know, it's just something that gets ingrained in you, especially if you've worked fine dining or managed restaurants, which I've done both. (laughs) So So where, where does your passion come into that? You know, having a passion for tour management is very different than having a passion for, front house mixing or whatever but i mean Mm -hmm. you seem to really like doing both parts of that job so is it is your passion for like just live events and being involved in that and making that happen i know you're very passion driven you know yeah i you know one of the cool things about uh being able to do both is that you can do cool stuff with the people that you like you know yeah um, <laughs> that's, a great answer. So, that's why we do this po- that's why we do this exactly. podcast yeah yeah so like you know i love mixing that is my jam honestly if i could just do that it'd be amazing but the way my career kind of unfolded organically by taking cool opportunities working with good people all this it just naturally grew into this and with with the tour managing, um, it seems like it was all of my life experience kind of led me into that. Anyways, I've I've been in a lot of leadership positions my entire life. Like I was like patrol captain in fifth grade. You know, like what? Did you have like the safety belt, like the reflector, <laughs> oh, like, safety yeah. belt over, over the hallway? <laughs> yeah. Where's your hall pass? Where's your hall pass? <laughs> Not the hall pass. I helped oh, the kids okay. cross the street. Oh, okay. Right, the walkers. Right. Yeah. So I was a walker. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, you know, student council president, a couple years, and just random stuff. I I got asked that recently. I'm like, I've been in leadership positions in one capacity or another. And so that really, and and throwing parties, so all of that combined, (laughs) you know, you make a good tour manager. And then when you understand the production side, after having all that experience for well over a decade, you know, and... I I did some few cool careers in Minneapolis before I ended up out on the road and because yeah, um, you ran like the festival scene or something in town, right? I mean, I was I ran uh, the Minneapolis Music in the Parks program. We had yeah. over two hundred and twenty shows between June first through Labor Day every Jeez. summer. Yeah, so that's like being a tour manager, but just in one spot as opposed to going town to town. Minneapolis yeah. does not fuck around. Like, I've mm-hmm. done a lot of festivals up there, and they always nail it. Like, holy cow. Uh, the last one I did was the Basilica thing. Oh, yeah. Holy yep. smokes. Basilica dude. block party. So here's another one for you, Michael, that I haven't mentioned before. I did um, AWOL Nation at the oh, block party. Oh, what a fun of, gig. In front of the church, and it was a blast. Like, we did, like, five shows in a row, but that was the one. That was the one. You never told me that one, dude. That's great. I know. Kyle, Kyle yeah, I got church sighted today. That, Kyle called me up. That, that ship sailed, so. That's true. K Razadazzle called me up today. I did. Sail the song. Yeah. Anyway, uh, bam, I tanked. I, it was it. I don't know, Chris, sail. that was a yeah. stretch, buddy. It was not. Uh, dad, look, but look, I'm on the third. I'm co- third kid's coming, so the dad jokes aren't getting better. No, They're no, only going to get progressively yeah. worse. So. Yeah. No, not at yeah. all. So I. I Go ahead, Hannah, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna throw in something. Um, <laughs> please, please, please speak for me because I'm I'm obviously yeah. tanking this. Um, I just had a question for you, Jess. Um, if I was to wake up tomorrow and have to be a tour manager, what would you tell me the like three top things that I need to know? Go back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh, good question. Uh. So you need to know. You need some kind of uh, like digital file management that's accessible and shareable easily, like Dropbox. Some people are into the you know Google, but you have to have a very organized like digital folder system, um, you know. And and I've got like a template of maybe like twenty five different folders that I'll start a tour with 
because I know I'll be putting things into them as we go. And then it's easy to share with the team and whoever needs it. You know, set lists, passports, um, itineraries, uh, receipts, you know, just those kinds of different things. So, um, so you don't have to think about that later. And then second thing would be some kind of calendar management, whether you're using Master Tour or Google Calendar or something else. I know there's a few others that have come on the market. Um, but, uh, I'm a big fan of either Master Tour or Google Calendar. I can, I can Google Calendar the shit out of stuff. So. And <laughs> yeah. it's free, you know? <laughs> so You and me both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, third thing. Um, I would say, you know, have a portable printer. I really love the Canon. Um, it's like the IP 80. 110. Oh yeah. They're, they're newer now. Those are the best, man. Yeah. It's right here. Yep. That's it. <laughs> oh, see, that's the coolest thing with an yeah, arm's reach. Mode. You should have said yeah. that. Oh, I should have said that. <laughs> there you go. That, that see, I still ass. have my, my last tour production you know what? stuff on it. You can right, Bluetooth so... to that one too, can't you? I uh, it's uh wireless print. It's Wi-Fi, I know, but I Sick. I just cord it up. Yeah. No, this is good shit because I I know that I saw that I think it was a Sound Girls interview with you and you you said that that was kind of your like desert island thing if you're going on tour is is your little printer and like mm-hmm. I I was legit gonna be like man I should ask her like what printer that is because like printers are garbage like they're so shitty and like. Every six months, my dad gets pissed off at his printer. He's like, fuck this shit, buy a new printer. You know, because he shows it out, buys a new one, because it's not working. And for all the amazing technological... We have a remote control thing driving around on Mars right now and sending selfies back, and we can't make a printer that fucking works. Like, so if you know of a printer that actually works, I want I want you to shout it from the rooftops, because I'm buying one. Canon. Yeah. Canon. Canon Pixma. IP 110. You heard it here first, kids. There you go. I literally have an IP 80. It was like the first version of that, and it still works. Nice. Do you ever see when the rack-mounted printer rig? Like, they wheel a road case in, and they take the lid off, and it's a fucking printer, and all racked up. I saw that. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, a lot of, lots of my just have not with like rack ears, but just in a road case, right? No, this was like, it was like a, like a you know, like you would mount a, a mixer. And a rolling wow. ride, but it was a printer, and I was like, "That is that's cool. Slick, that is cool. Man. Yeah, yep. Yeah, I was I was envious of that. That's cool. There, there's probably a coffee machine tucked in the bottom. Yes. <laughs> so audio audio wise, I'm curious. Um, uh, what what's something that you're most proud of work wise from a, from an audio standpoint? Yeah, you know, mi- mixing maybe a particular show or an artist or a record or whatever. What's your proudest moment audio wise? <sighs> Oh gosh. Well, you got her, Chris. You, you stumped her. Which which one? Well, one or two, three, whatever. Yeah. I mean, just okay. like yeah, like like if like when when you think of like ultimate audio satisfaction in your career, what's like the the biggest thing you the first thing you want to brag about or talk about that like you've been able to kind of work on and 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 what why that meant so much to you? Gosh, yeah. Well. So I finally did my first arena tour, and that was a big deal. But it was a a thing where I got a text on a Monday night, um, hired by management Tuesday. First show was, like, Thursday. I had no rehearsal. I just had to walk up to the console that was pre-programmed and go. Nobody even introduced me to the artist, Mm. you know. And so – and it was for monitors. So even though it was an incredible gig, and I – I mean – total dream gig it was not the way I would have wanted to start out you know (laughs) it would have been nice to have at least a rehearsal but I I know these things happen and I'm glad that I was available to come in you know and do my first arena run um but proudest uh you know it was actually I mean Gosh, I've worked with some of the most incredible jazz artists at the Dakota Jazz Club in Minneapolis. There were nights there where you can hear a pin drop in between, you know, the breaths. And just that room was so gorgeous. It was tuned. um, And Prince did a run there, like seven nights. And I got to uh, watch the console while engineer had to go to the bathroom and so i was literally on the other end 
of the board when Prince was performing. And wow. I I don't think anything I will ever feel again will be like that moment. Even though I didn't touch anything, I didn't have to touch anything, I was there, you know, and I was the one there. I, and yeah, that that's was That's awesome. That's so I mean, I think about we had Robert Scoville on the show talking about his work. Uh I jazz is something that I don't think we've really talked about at all on the show or very little and it's very different wow your dog is upset (laughs) oh no the dog is very upset um i'm sorry maybe your dog doesn't like jazz um so um jazz is a very different approach in terms of how you choose your mics and how the artists interact on stage and how they want to hear each other and all of those things and i don't think we've talked much about that um what's been your i mean so let's talk you you know that versus a typical rock or, or hip hop or pop gig. I mean, what what stands out to you is some of the difference in approach there. <laughs> Sorry. And that's well, my answer. <laughs> so speaking of watch washy shushing the dog actually the dakota uh that was like literally it's like that's right around the corner from hell's kitchen pub we used to pass by the dakota um and uh and see shows coming out of there we were there there's a lot of on that street there there's a ton of restaurants uh that were some great eating uh right along that the street where the dakota is pizza luna yes pizza luce luce that's it mm-hmm yeah, Yum. delicious. Yeah. Uh, so with the jazz artists, a lot of times, oh my gosh, you guys, I'm going to put my dog out. Like, give me one moment. She's scared. Okay, okay. we'll, we'll talk amongst ourselves. It's like, we're, prepared. We're, pre- we're prepared for this. I let her go run after whatever it was. So. Yes. Okay. Okay. So jazz. Yes, jazz. Bring it down. Bring Relaxing. It down. Mm-hmm. So with jazz... Uh, it's all about really capturing um, the clarity of what they're they're wanting and then letting them fly, you know, basically like helping give them wings and the lift to like take off and do what they do. There's not a ton of mixing involved, right? Unless right. you got to catch stuff. I mean, you have to be ready, of course, as always to mm-hmm. catch stuff. But like I said, at those those dynamics are so much more... Um, part of the performance, I feel, where you got to let it breathe and give it that space, which is really important to help the artist feel comfortable to, you know, help bring out their best performance. Also to not get in the way, too. Mm-hmm. I think it's important, like, you know, as sound engineers, sometimes we can tend to try to impose our own will onto a mix or a circumstance. And so, you know, um, with, with something like jazz where it is so transparent and stuff like that, like, we can we can sometimes more get in the way than we can actually help with what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, you know, Dakota was, or it is a listening room. So that was also part of the really cool thing i felt i was kind of saving my ears a bit you know i remember a jazz gig i did and it's just so interesting the way that it kind of trickles down into everything like monitor placement and you know you think about the way you typically ring out a wedge before the artist shows up if it's if it's pop if it's like hip-hop if it's like r&b you know, I'll get pretty aggressive with ringing that wedge out and really carve that thing up because I know that I'm probably going to be asked like, "Hey, I need I need more in the wedge, any more in the wedge," and you want that thing to just be loud and stable. Um, and with the jazz gig, you know, as soon as we put something in the wedge, and he was like, "Can I get a little more?" and it kind of got to the point where it was just a little bit on the edge, and I said, "Yeah, I can," you know, I can cut that back a little. Because like, no, 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 just just turn it down like he would rather have his wedge be not as loud and not have any eq on it he didn't Mm. want that that tonal change it was very much about no i really want to hear my sound unaffected and unfiltered and you know i just want you want so that's a totally different you know mindset kyle you look are you okay bud (laughs) i was reading i was reading while you were and i just had this thing i just think that Go ahead. No, it's, I was, I was like, we, we, we could we could talk Kyle's language for a minute though. So I, there's a cool H3000 uh, yeah. on your uh, on your on your website or whatever. My favorite part of the picture though, 
don't know if you can guess if you remember the picture. My favorite part of the picture is the piece of tape across one of the channels. <laughs> it probably probably did. Well, uh, yeah. Minneapolis is, used to be home to Midas. It was home to Midas for a while. Uh, Bosch Telex, and well, no, yeah, it was during the Bosch Telex days. So uh, Midas serviced a lot of those clubs up there. So it, it used to be all EV and Midas. That that was all you would see in Minneapolis. They did a great job of doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, that that photo is actually um, front of house at First Avenue on my first tour out of LA after I had moved. So it was like a homecoming show, you know, coming through First Avenue, legendary room. You know, my buddies were my house crew and I got a sweatshirt after, which I got an official hoodie. Yes. So I love all the the outboard in that photo. Like just Mm -hmm. three huge racks of stuff. I think that's just so cool. You know, I I Trust me, I I'm all I'm all on the digital train, but I do you do kind of miss the the tactile, you know, turning those knobs and seeing the lights. Oh, yeah, and I don't That's miss the all the insert cables and shit, but uh, you know, it's kind of yeah. I mean, you got you got uh, you got twenty two ninety, you got DBX one sixty A's, you got some drummer gates. Uh, I will, we'll, we'll put a picture of this in the uh, in the um, on the site for sure. So cool. my next question to you will be uh, way off the subject, but moving to L.A. Or California to start your career in the music business worked out well for you. Then you moved home. I, I did about the same. Um, I started out here in St. Louis. Um, I moved to Scottsdale, Arizona. Then I moved to Las Vegas, and now I'm back home. How was that transition for you? Did you feel like you kind of made legs for yourself? Well, actually, it's backwards. <laughs> I had a career in my hometown for over 10 years before I went to LA. Ah. So I moved to LA to get out on the road because it was tough to get out on the road from Minneapolis. Minneapolis is like the biggest small town you could be from, you know, and I loved what I was doing and who I was working with, but I just, I really wanted to get on the road and I just, I kind of wanted to just give it hell and see what kind of magic I could stir up. And I love that. I had a, yeah. So <laughs> and no, you no know? one actually knew who you were in your hometown because you had a fake ID. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I had a best friend who had a space in LA and one of my favorite mentors coming up in Minneapolis always said if you either got a place to live or a job just go you know and so I just went and it was scary as hell you know I didn't have anything lined up on my way out I just had a you know few connections and a place to land and I made it happen so you know and and uh the difference yeah. there, I'm sure, hold on, the difference there, I'm sure, for those who want to lean into that a little bit, is you're not just going to go to a place, whether it's L.A. or this Nashville or whatever, you're not just going to show up and it's just going to come to you. I imagine you still went out and pursued it for yourself. The key word there you said is you made it happen. I assume that you had a desire to make it happen, so you pursued it. So don't don't take the, it's not, it's not a lesson of like, I'm just going to go to this town because this is where shit happens and it's going to fall <laughs> onto your plate. Like, right. you still have to actually, like, bust your ass in that town that then takes you somewhere exactly yeah and so uh my best friend's brother had a barback gig at the sassafras saloon in hollywood and they were looking for some extra sound help so that was my first gig there i got beer and 50 bucks for a little show you know you're the 50 dollar and a beer guy i always mm -hmm. talk about the 50 dollar and a beer guy that's you that's crazy (laughs) yeah that was my first gig in hollywood (laughs) uh and then uh so so right before i the last year i left before i left minneapolis i actually got my undergrad in media business through a sister school via a work perk um, if that makes sense. Um, and I had to develop a website during my final project time. And one of my nicknames at the Dakota was sound girl. And so I created my website, soundgirlproductions.com back in 2012. And so I moved to LA in 2013, digging around. I'm like, there has to be other like sound girls out here. And so I Googled and then saw there's this organization that had just started 
soundgirls.org. So I went to a meetup and uh, had a great time and, you know, made some connections. And I had actually helped start a couple nonprofits in Minneapolis. And so I was like, how can I get involved? I'd love to, you know, volunteer time. Like, that's just part of what I do, you know, it's how things go in this business too. You gotta, you know, I, I had people help me up. I want to help other people. Like it's a big, you know, circle. And, uh, so I started following some girls and they were posting and this job flew by on Facebook, you know, tour manager front of house needed ASAP email. And I just, I was scanning and I hit it right away, sent my resume in and this woman responded and she's like, I'm at the Avalon in pre-production for this show, pre-Grammy thing. Can you come down here in two hours? I had a sound gig that night at the Sassafras, but I showed up at the Avalon, and she's like, I really like your resume. I know that you haven't tour managed, but, you know, I can teach you everything I know. And this is this A-level tour manager. And I was like, wow. She's like, how about we work together on this show, hang out, do meetings, you know, go to your show tonight and then come back. We'll work the show tomorrow. We'll see how we do together. And it turns out it was um, for Will I Am's I Am Plus Foundation, like pre-Grammy thing. So there were all these guest artists coming through and lots to do. And, you know, I just rolled with it. And and after the show, the next night, she's like, all right, you're hired. You leave in a week. We have a lot of shit to do. <laughs> And (laughs) yeah, and so uh, that gig led into every other touring gig out there. And it got to the point where it was word of mouth, you know, Mm -hmm. and a lot of um, younger female pop acts were reaching out because they wanted another woman on the road and because they were, you know, usually support or just a smaller, you know, tour, club tour. Um, (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, Your dog she's, agrees. She's yeah. also an underground dog fighting ring uh, oh my God. That's, she's talking to the cat through the window uh, um, <laughs> so sorry but uh all, good. all right um Uh-oh. ah i have to go grab her um <laughs> good. you got it we, we, we could talk to much okay yeah i'll all be good. right back thank you it's all okay good. All okay good. Oh, I love it. I, I, okay, so I, I'm, I'm like, I'm struggling with like, I'm not good at figuring out when the dog's excited and when he's ready to bite somebody. Like, you know, the the dog, <laughs> that all sounds just sounds like barks to me. So I'm like, are you about to get me or what's happening? My dogs are the same way. They they just want love and attention, but they sound like they're gonna kill you. So I get it. Kyle, how do your do- how do your dogs sound? Oh man. Oh, yeah. I, I got something uh, I want to do for the ending, too, and it's going to be great because I'm going to bring something back around, and Jess is going to be super into it. Okay. All right. Fire it up. Uh, well, I mean, we, we, we grazed on food anyway, but all right, let's, let's just touch it real quick. So if we've talked about what we've liked in Minneapolis, but if we're, if we're going back home, we're, go, we're going back to the party town, right? Um, not, not the business side. We don't want that. We want the party town. Where are, you, where are you taking us to eat? Oh, I would probably take you to the Dakota. Okay. Cool. Yeah, because it's it's got incredible food, and I know the bartenders, and they would hook us up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Awesome. All right, Kyle, go. Okay, so here's what I want you to do, Jess. Get back in your space <laughs> a little bit, <laughs> and I want you to pull an oracle card for the Signal to Noise podcast. Oh my gosh. Okay. Wow. Ah. For the record, I don't know what the fuck this is. Shut up, Chris. You're ruining the juju. (laughs) (laughs) So this this is the uh, Earth Warriors Oracle. Yes. uh, By Elena Fairchild. And uh, beautiful purple deck. While you're shuffling, I want want to say, being an audio engineer for a long time, I am really into frequency stuff that goes along with health and things that happen by using certain frequencies so eventually i want to get into that with some folks on this podcast and you might be one of my people i don't know are you i am looking into all that stuff too i am not an expert but i'm i know becky pell Pell, yeah Yeah, becky pell 
done a lot of research there. W- so. Willis Snow. So it sounds like we, we we could do an episode about this. I, mean, I think, and could. I won't know what's going on the nope. whole time. Yeah, I, I should probably not build an episode because I probably screw it all up. <laughs> well, you ruined the when, juju, when, according to Kyle. Uh, here, here's two things that you learned at a young age um, doing audio: is one, Me? no, this is just like normal people, uh, I mean, normal sound guys talk about this all the time. One K is the resonant frequency of hair follicles. <laughs> what? Is that why yours are gone? <laughs> Just saying, and we know from a young age as well, Sir Mix-a-Lot said, uh, the 808 kick drum makes the girlies get dumb. And you know why he says that? Because 40, what is it, 47 point whatever hertz is the resonant frequency of a female's. All right, so we're going to send all your, your... Just saying. I'll send all your hate, hate email, all hate mail to, to directly to Kyle, please. That's what I was reading when you were like, "Why are you spacing out, dude? We got hate I'm, mail." I'm glad you're really <laughs> focused on. So we got Jess. What? We, let's do this card. I don't even know what's happening. We've lost. Control. All right, all right. So are you gonna make it disappear? Oh wait, this is the wrong. It's not show. a magic trick. Yep. So uh, I drew uh, Lolo stand in the light, and I'll just it's it's a lengthy thing, but I'll just read this first intro portion. And says, you are unique. You are a divine and beautiful being. Aww. You stand apart from the crowd. Sometimes this evokes jealousy or desire in others who want to possess your light and beauty as their own. You need never fear another or believe that they can harm you. Allow yourself to be true to who you are. Do not try to hide your inner light and beauty. You are meant to be seen. Your soul is nurtured and protected by your love for great spirit. That's right. All right, K Razzle Dazzle. There you that's go, pretty guys. good, man. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for doing yeah. that. That's, that's Stand very, in that's the light. Very uplifting. Blessed uh, be. I'm gonna light my candle. Kyle's light his candle. All right, Chris. Let's we gotta wrap this thing up, man. It's, we're yeah, off the I rails, know. bro. This, 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 yeah, it's all good. All right, Jess. If you could define your legacy or how you'd want to be known, how would you define that? Hmm. I just I guess I'd want to be known as kind. We need more kindness in the world. I like that. Yeah. I love what I do, but I, I do many things, and I just want to keep helping, you know, musical endeavors happen in the world, and I think that's really important, and however I can help make that happen, I'm going to keep doing it. Try to do it with awesome. kindness. Yeah. Back it. Happiness, yeah. love, and joy. Yeah. There we go. See, we ended on a we ended on a very nice civilized note after all the craziness. For anyone still listening, <laughs> if you made it this far, oh, and you know what? My girlfriend told me well, I'm supposed to say because I didn't realize this because we don't know how podcasts work. I know Chris, you do, but apparently we have a podcast network. We're part of the Pro Sound Web Podcast Network. There are some other awesome shows on the on the Pro Sound Web Podcast yeah, Network. We've been failing on yeah, that. Yeah, so so I guess you know we should say check out Samantha Potter's Church Sound Podcast. Yes. Check out, uh, we got Ryan O'John and his gang doing the Live Sound Boot Camp. Um, if you go to prosoundweb.com slash podcast, there's a whole page of, of different podcasts to, to dig into. So we could, you know, I, I guess we're supposed to share the love. So there we go. Uh, yes. Yeah. And shout out to Vince and uh, the folks over at the backstage, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Our friends up at Sound Image Sacto. There Sac- you go. <laughs> well what a journey this has been Jess thank you so much for your time please thank your dog whenever you let him back Aww. into the house uh, do. For... thank you so much for having me <laughs> it means a lot